Well, good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm so honored you came to be with us today. I want to give a special greeting to the guests that are with us. Can, can our church give a good clap for our guests that are here? We are genuine in our desire to welcome you to be a part of this church body. Uh, it's a wonderful church, lots of great people, and we just want to invite you to come be a part of what God is doing here. So we're beginning a brand new series today, Pivot, 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 Pivot. How many of you have watched the Friends TV show? And when the moment I said Pivot, I lost you because you're seeing, you know, Ross with a couch and he's stuck in the, you know, stairwell and, and he's screaming, Pivot! You know, so it just, it was such a funny scene. But so my series really has nothing to do with that, but you just can't say pivot without bringing some attention to that. But my sermon today and my series that we're starting today is how to deal with unexpected changes in life. And we can learn to deal with these unexpected changes by learning how to pivot, by learning how to pivot. So that's our series title, what is pivot? So think about pivot in terms of basketball. For just a moment, think in terms of if you're a hooper, and, um, and I was never a real hooper. Um, I, you know, that's a word, it's a thing. It's a baller, hooper, whatever. Um, you know, obviously I was neither of those, but um, back in our day, either way, let's go back to what I was trying to say. Uh, apologize, Daniel, who actually is a, a baller in the house. He, we have a UNCW basketball, you know, ex-basketball. You're, you're an ex, but you're still legit. But, um, um, but hey, um, so I, I'm lost. So here's the deal. If you're a basketball player, you're dribbling towards the goal and, you know, the opposing team stops you, then you have the ability to plant one foot down and pivot. And as long as you keep this foot down, you're able to find new direction, a new opportunity to throw the ball. And you're gonna run into situations, unexpected circumstances that prevent you from going in this direction. And you're gonna have to pivot in life. You're going to have to pivot. If you learn to stay grounded with this foot, if you, if you determine that this foot is going to be grounded in God in the foundations of God and the promises of God, then you can face these circumstances, pivot and find a new way forward in your life as well. Pivot allows you to move forward. Pivot keeps you from quitting when you hit those unexpected changes. Pivot is how we can adapt to God's other new plan, plan B in your life, or maybe it's God's plan A, he just has another way to get there. Pivot explains how we can believe that the best is still to come when we learn to pivot. And so we're gonna talk about that for the next few weeks. Hope you'll join us as we discover all the different um, aspects to pivot. But here's the deal in life, you need to know this, that. We're all going to deal with unexpected changes. Everybody does. We're going to have setbacks. We're going to get bad news. We're going to have roadblocks in life. And we need to learn how to deal with those things so that we can continue forward with the destiny and the dreams that God has for us. My sermon title today, if you're taking notes, and I have a lot of notes for you today, so you're going to want to like take pictures of the screens or whatever. But my sermon title today is Pivotal Foundations. I want to talk about that one foot, the, the foot that stays planted. I want to talk about what is it planted in? What, how have you planted on the foundations of God? And to do this, I want to go to a story in the Old Testament. Talk about Joseph. Joseph is, um, is a person that had a lot of promise in his life, a dreams that were in his heart. God had given to him. 
but he encountered unexpected changes, yet God providentially made Joseph successful and fulfilled the dreams that God had for him. But how was Joseph able to move forward? I believe Joseph was a master at the pivot. And so we want to take it from there. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph is one of 12 brothers. He has 11 brothers in his life. His father's name is Jacob. Jacob loved him the most. Jacob loved Joseph the most. He favored him. He gave him, you know, special uh, you know, ways of showing that he was the most important, you know, of the, of the sons in his family, which, which created problems, as you can imagine. You know, anytime you have favorites with your children at parents, you know, you, you shouldn't pick favorites. I mean, that's never going to work. You know, it's going to cause problems. I used to tell Bailey, I would tell her, I said, you're the, my very favorite daughter, daughter. And she was like, are you sure it's not more than that? You're my favorite daughter. And I would tell Eli, you're my favorite son, but you can't have favorites. So Jacob had made Joseph his favorite. And it says this in verse three and four of, verse, of chapter 37. It says, one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. It was a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. And a robe in that culture signified influence. It had significance in that culture. When someone had a robe, it often would, would describe maybe their position or their rank in, in culture, in the city, maybe in an organization or in a family. And so when Jacob gave to Joseph this robe, he was basically making a point to the other brothers that I am favoring Joseph more than everyone else. And of course, that didn't you know, go over well with any of the brothers. So right after, though, he had received this robe, Joseph then has these dreams. And God gives him a dream. And it says here in verse 9 that Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. He said, listen, I have had another dream, he said. He said, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars. So he's referring to his brothers bowed low before me. And so the brothers like, we're not bowing down to you. You know, like we're not doing that. And he's like, it's God's dream, you know. And so they were frustrated at him and they hated him all the more. So let me pause for just a moment and, and just give a, a couple thoughts about dreams because I believe God will put a dream in your heart as well. I believe God has vision for your life. I believe God will, will put inside of you things that you believe are the potential of God, the, the plans of God for your life. And, and you should have dreams of what God can do in your life. And you're never too old to keep dreaming and visioning in your life. And so it's good to dream and have those possibilities from God. And I want to remind you, though, just like in Joseph's life, not everyone will identify to your dream. And that's okay because God gave your dream to you. He didn't give it to everyone else. And so you can steward your dream. You can carry your dream for your life. But also in Joseph's case, he was too immature and he didn't have the character yet to carry out the dream that God had given him. So in the midst of his lack of character, he was offending his brothers. He was, he was going about in the wrong way. And so he had a father that tried to give him better direction and he didn't fully maybe listen to that. His father said this to him in verse 10. It says, this time when Joseph told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, it says his father scolded him. Now, I know the story. I look at the story and I realize that his father was trying to give him some direction on how to steward that dream in his life. 
But the reality is, is Joseph had a God-given dream. God had given him that dream and, and God had a plan for Joseph's life. Now he had this, this, you know, this, this robe that signified authority, but, but I believe he felt like God was giving him a dream of what was to be done in his life. And at this point, Joseph had not disobeyed God. He had not disobeyed his father. He wasn't in living in any kind of sin. He just had a dream from God in his heart. And as soon as Joseph had kind of spoke those words, living out this plan of God, I mean, he was just doing his thing. He encountered his first unexpected change in life. He hit a roadblock in his destiny. And here's what happened. One day when Joseph was at home with his father, his 11 other brothers were out in the field tending to the flocks. And so so Jacob says to his son, Joseph, he says, go check on your brothers. Go find out how they're doing. You know, go find out if they're doing it right and then come back and tell on them is basically what he was telling them to do. And so Joseph now in his little fancy little robe, all clean, had just been at home eating all the good food. He's strolling out in the field somewhere to find his brothers. They see him coming. They're like, uh, here comes that dreamer again. And they're like, uh, you know, let's, let's do away with him. They're, they're, they've had it. And so they decide to kill Joseph. They decided they would strip him of his coat, tear it up, tell his father that some wild animal had killed him and that Joseph was gone. Somewhere in the midst of this discussion, they decided instead of killing him, that they were going to sell him as a slave to some traders that were going by. So it says in Genesis 37, 28, it says when the Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brother who, uh, pulled him out of a pit, pulled him out of a cistern, and then they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders then took him to Egypt. Maybe you can relate to this story in some way. Let me, let me help us drop our life into this story. Because in Joseph's life, he was just moving in the direction of his destiny. He was just on assignment from his father. He wasn't doing anything wrong, simply just doing his life. And for some of you, maybe you've just been raising your children. Maybe you were just working your job. You're just serving the Lord. And at no fault of your own, bam, unexpected change comes. Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave. He's just doing the will of God and bam, it happened. That could happen for any of us. It will happen. Let me give you a point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Change is unavoidable. It's not a matter of whether or not you've been good or sinned or not. It is just a way of life. The only constant in life is change. And it continues to change. As a matter of fact, change is a part of the DNA of creation that God created. It, says, it tells us in Genesis chapter 8, 22, it says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. So what is it saying? It's saying that everything on this planet is seasonal and nothing stays the same. Change is always happening around us and in us. Change is happening in our world. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. Change is happening in my life. Listen, my body is changing. Some for the better and some for the worse. Listen, the things that I could do in my 20s, I cannot do in my 50s anymore. There are some things that I could do in my 40s that I can't do anymore. Just, that's just the way of life. It changes. 
My marriage is changing. I mean, listen, like not like that kind of change. Like she's not getting rid of me change. She, she's not changing me in for another dude. But, um, but we have changes in life. When our children were born, we went from spontaneous, where we could be spontaneous about everything and we could just decide to tonight, let's go get some dinner. And now all of a sudden children are in the picture and you, you can't live that way anymore. We had to adapt. We had to, we had to change with the changes. We had to pivot with those changes. And then uh, one day we decided to leave the business world. I worked for my father's business and we decided to accept our call into ministry. It was a significant change in our financial world at that season. And so we had to learn to, to pivot and to change the way we lived for God's calling. When, we, um, when our children grew up and they, they, you know, they got married and they left the house, which is praise God, you know, they, they did it, and, you know, and, and we did it. We were celebration. But, but the reality is empty nesters, we had to change. We had to pivot on how we did life again because instead of everything being about our children, now it's about us again. We had to pivot. And so life is full of changes and so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Every change requires a pivot. And if you don't adjust, if you don't adapt, if you don't innovate, if you don't find new direction, then you'll get stuck in your past and miss out on the dream that God has in your heart. I was researching a few companies that failed to, to pivot. And how many remembers Blockbuster? Remember Blockbuster? Oh man, I loved Blockbuster. It was awesome. Uh, on, um, on Friday afternoon, I would often have the opportunity to pick up our children from school. And then we would always, every Friday, stop by Blockbuster after school. It was the one right down to Monkey Junction. And we'd go down there and we'd spend an hour or more in Blockbuster. You can look, we would look, I mean, just after row, after row, after row, Eli would get a PlayStation game. And, and I mean, but we were so excited because, you know, we got to go to Blockbuster and get a, an actual DVD video. Like we had it and we would take it home. It was amazing. At the peak of Blockbuster's success, they had over 84,000 employees and 9,000 stores, but they failed to pivot when the digital model came out. Blockbuster failed and filed for bankruptcy in 2010. Interesting about Blockbuster is they had an opportunity to buy Netflix. In the year 2000, Netflix approached Blockbuster and said, you guys have an amazing brand. You have the muscle and the money to take this new digital experience and make it just a worldwide sensation. And they said, we would like to sell you Netflix for $50 million. The ownership and leadership of Blockbuster said back to them, we don't think digital is going to take over having actual disc. Therefore, we're going to decline this offer. Today, Netflix is worth over $150 billion. They failed to pivot. Do you remember Kodak? Remember Kodak? Like a long time ago, Kodak film, like, you know, like way back there, Kodak film. In 1975, Kodak was the very first company to develop a digital camera. And their innovation department presented to the leadership of Kodak and said, we have this brand new technology 
And we think this is going to be the wave moving forward. Kodak said to them, we don't think that's going to take over actual film. Stop your work on digital photography. And Kodak went out of business a few years later because obviously digital is everything. But here's some examples, though, that are more personal. Uh, and we think about pivot because those are business applications and they failed to, to find new ways forward. But, but in all of our life, we have things that happen to us. So to bring it to our level instead of business, maybe we think in terms of a, a sudden and unexpected job change. Maybe that has happened to you this year or sometime recently. And when you have a change like that, you have to learn to pivot a pandemic maybe hits our world and, and so much changes and maybe your business is struggling in a model and you have to learn to pivot in life. Potentially, inflation has increased the cost of living and it has by at least $300 a month in the average household. And if you don't pivot, then you're going to struggle with overspending. You know, what happens to a lot of people right now, including myself at times, I, I look at the, the source of inflation and I complain and I fuss and I, and I watch the news about it and I blame. But the reality is, is that doesn't change my world. And so if I don't pivot and find ways to reduce expenses, then the inflation is going to hurt my personal life. Pivots. Maybe you were engaged and the engagement broke off. Pivots. Maybe a close friend moves away. Pivots. Maybe for some of my friends that are here today, they were part of a, a local church that, that fulfilled their vision and they're not meeting anymore. And our friends have had to learn to to pivot in that situation. Our church has had many occasions where we've had to, to pivot. If we hadn't pivot, I, you know, we would quit moving forward. You may not know this. Some of you are new to us. We used to have a very permanent location inside the Independence Mall. Who was with us back in the Independence Mall days? Awesome. So we had this wonderful facility in the Independence Mall. And then one day the Independence Mall sold to new developers and their attorney sent us a really fancy letter that basically said that we have to vacate the premises in six months. And so we were at a position of, okay, what do we do? Do we, do we just keep trying to pretend that didn't happen? Do we just complain about it? Uh, no, we had to pivot and find a new way to do church. We had to find a new way to, to be able to move forward with our church. And so God opened a place for us to meet at the First Baptist Church Activity Center and praise God that we pivoted and now we are able to land here and the word of God, the, the worship of God of Life Church is able to continue to move forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. But that wasn't the end of our pivot. The first week we were in here, we had our very first Sunday. We had one of our largest attendants we'd ever had. The place was packed out. Everybody wanted to come see how we were going to do this portable church. Packed out. Three days later, Hurricane Florence hit. And then it flooded this building and we lost use of this facility for like eight weeks. 
And so what did we do? Well, we could have just, you know, sat around and sulked. Nope, we decided to pivot. We found another local church in town, Life Point, opened their doors to us on Sunday at four o'clock and our whole church did a pivot for the next six weeks and we met at another facility. We learned to pivot because we want to keep moving forward in life. A few years later, barely that, 18 months later, we have things rolling again and we hit this COVID-19 pandemic and they closed down the building for a while. So for about two and a half months, what'd we do? Well, we pivoted. We started going online. Y'all are watching church online. I'm preaching to a camera, hating it, but we're doing it because we have to pivot because we want to keep moving forward. Change is unavoidable and every change requires a pivot. And the sooner you let go of what was, the sooner you can move forward with what is. So back to our story with Joseph. He was sold as, as a servant. And it says that he was then sold from those traders to be a servant in Egypt. In chapter 39, one through four, it says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard of, Pharaoh, of Pharaoh's, the king of Egypt. Verse two says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. The Lord was with Joseph. When Joseph's life turned upside down, when he went from the favored child to now a, a servant as a, a slave in Egypt, when his life was totally flipped around and he hit extreme unexpected change, Joseph didn't run from God. Joseph didn't put a wall up between he and God. Joseph didn't give up on God in those moments. Joseph stayed close to God. And the Bible says that God was with Joseph. The Lord was with him and Joseph was with the Lord. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Your pivot foot must be grounded in God. That's the secret to Joseph's success. He had his foot, he was grounded in God. He, when he encountered this, this unexpected change, he had some choices at that point. He, could, he made some decisions in his own heart. I mean, at that moment when he was, went from his total you know, dream and favored position, now he's as a slave, he could have just ranted and raved about the injustice of it all. He, he could have complained about his circumstances and just, he could have just bellyached to everyone around about the change in circumstances in his life. He could have been the person that's telling the stories about the good old days. Let me tell you the good old days. Listen, the good old days probably weren't as good as you thought they were. You just have a, a sense of memory that changes it. But we have good new days that are in front of us with God. He could have stopped praying. He could have stopped trusting. But Joseph stayed grounded 
in God. His pivot foot, his foot was grounded. I think that probably in those moments when Joseph was, was making decisions in his life on how he was going to handle this, this you know, change in his life, I think he probably thought, well, I don't understand why, but he had his foot down believing, but I trust God. I think he probably thought, I didn't see this coming. I had no idea this was going to come into my life, but pivot foot down, I know God saw it coming. He may have thought, well, I am shocked at these circumstances. I'm totally surprised at this happened, but Joseph must have had the pivot foot down and said, but God's not surprised. He may have thought, I have no idea how my life is going to reach this dream, this destiny that God has for my life, but my foot is planted on God and I know that God can make a way forward. And the moment, church, that you lift your pivot foot is the moment you stumble. The moment you lift it, the moment you stop trusting God, the moment you, you take your eyes off of God. The moment you stop believing in God's providential sovereignty, his ability to, to get you where he wants to take you in life, the moment you forget that and you move that foot, then you stumble in life. You'll get stuck in the past. But Joseph, he understood God's providential care. What does that mean? How do we trust that? In Romans chapter 8, 28, a very familiar verse. And it says this, it says, and we know that God, he causes everything to work together for good. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Everything, that's every good thing and every bad thing. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means God can make something good out of something bad in life. He can do that, amen? God can accomplish his plan for your life regardless of the setbacks as long as you stay grounded in him. Now this doesn't mean that the pain of that event is lessened. I, listen, in no way do I want to say that pivot means you, you, just, you just move on and you, just, uh, you don't feel it at all. I, I don't mean that at all. There's a, there's a proper time for grieving. And, and what I'm saying is that because you understand that you're grounded in God and you can pivot with him, then in the middle of your pain, you can have a hope for a brighter future. And that's what pivot does for us. Joseph's unexpected changes did not end there. That could have been enough. That would have been an amazing story. But after finding success in Potiphar's house, he was falsely accused of rape by his wife, Potiphar's wife, and now he's thrown into prison. And it says this about the story in verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. Showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. You know, right in the middle of Joseph's setback, right in the middle of now being in prison, it says Joseph experienced God's faithful love. Please catch this point today. 
A change in circumstances is not a change in God's faithfulness. Amen. When you're going through change and setbacks and roadblocks and all that can occur, it's easy to feel like God isn't there. When you can't see in the natural the way through. Our, our eyesight is natural. We see here, God has perspectives and abilities that we, we can count on, but we can't see always. And so what I want to do is to just minister to your heart for just a minute, because if you're in a place of, of you know, unexpected change in your life, I want to give you some pivotal foundations that, that you can just know is God in your life. And first, I want you to know that, that yes, your circumstances have changed, but God has not changed in your life. He is the same God has always been in your life. God has not changed. I want you to know that God is still near to you. You may not feel him, but we don't live by our feelings. We live by our faith. And the word tells us that God is always near. His heart is near you. His, his compassion is near you. All you have to do is just to turn to him and he will draw closer and closer into your life. You can experience him. God is still near to you in those moments. It's a pivotal foundation. You need to know this, that God is still for you. Circumstances can be against you, but God is for you. And the Bible says that if God is for you, then who can be against you? God is faithful. He is so faithful in your life. He has been faithful. He will always be faithful. That's a foundation that you can trust God. When you're in your, your place and you're in your, your, your circumstance and things don't look good, you can say, God, I know you are faithful to me. God can make something good out of this situation. You can just have your firm foundation. Your foot can be on that, that God can make something good. He can do something in me. He might transform me. He might develop some new character. He might bring a new friendship, a new relationship. He might take me to a place I never knew that I could go because we believe that God can do something in my life through this situation. That's a firm foundation. You need to know that God's promise still stands for your life. In Joseph's life, the, the promise never went away. He stood on the promise that God could do what he said he would do. I want you to know that your story is not over. You may have an end to a chapter, but God turns the page. God's not finished. That's a firm foundation. So as I close today, I'll wrap up Joseph's story as quick as I can and bring us to a final thought today. So Joseph was in prison and while he was there, Pharaoh had this dream and he was looking for someone to interpret the dream that he had. God gave Joseph the interpretation to the dream. So when he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh now pulled him out of prison and placed him in the palace as second in command of everything that he owned. And so now Joseph is in a very influential place because of that. The interpretation of the dream was that there was going to be seven years of plenty in their harvest and then seven years of famine coming. 
So as the second in command, Joseph began to store grain, large amounts of grain during the seven years, preparing for the seven year drought. And when the drought hit, it hit all of Egypt, hit all of Israel. And the people that were you know, out in, in the land, they dried up, they had no food. And so what they did is they started going to the palace to buy grain from Joseph, who was now in charge of all of it. Well, Joseph's family, his father and his brothers also ran out of food. And so Jacob sends the, the rest of his brothers to go to the palace and buy food so that they can live. Now, they didn't know that Joseph was even still alive. They had no idea what had happened to Joseph. They'd sold him off and, and written him off. And, and so when they got to the palace, they didn't even recognize him. So finally, the story says that Joseph revealed himself who he was to his brothers. And, and then they were immediately in great fear because they're like the, the second most you know, influential and person in charge can now make us be slaves. He could retaliate on our life. But Joseph doesn't. And he says this in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 50. He says, Joseph said to them, he said, do not be afraid. Am I the place of God? Am I in the place of God? He said, verse 20, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Listen, I don't know what has hit your life. I don't know what will hit your life, but some of those things may feel like they're not for your good. But God in his providential way can intend for your life. He can make things work out for your life. He can position you where he wants to position you. He can get you where he wants to get you. And he can take what was meant to harm you and turn it in for your good. And you can actually stand in the middle of the dream that God has for your life. If you learn to pivot and keep your foot on the promises and the, 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 the hope of God and trust of God. Amen? Amen. Joseph kept it grounded. And I will say this as I close, that change is how... God often positions us for our destiny. So instead of fighting against it, plant your foot. God, I trust you. God, you're faithful. I can't see it, God, but I know you've got a way. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand if you want me to pray for you? If you're, if you're that, in that place, I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every hand that's up. We know you're faithful. And I just speak that over your church body. You're faithful. You can, you can take what seems difficult and turn it for our good. God, every hand that's up, God, I ask you to minister to them. Give them strength. Give them hope. Help them to pivot, Father, but let it be on the foundation, Father, that what was meant for harm, you intend for good in their life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Before I finish today, I have one last important story to tell you. And it's the story of Jesus Christ. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've never made a decision to, to become somebody that, that believes in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I wanna tell you this. 
One is I want you to know that you are loved by God. Not based on anything you've done that's good or anything that's bad. You may be thinking, oh, pastor, you don't know all I've done. It doesn't matter. God loves you anyway. That's just who he is. The truth is though, all the sins, whether big ones or little ones, have separated us from God. It's that separation that has to be dealt with. And what it takes is for us to be forgiven. We have to, we have, to have that, that sin that, that, has, that has been created by our actions. There has to be some, a price that's paid for it so we can be forgiven. And the Bible teaches us that Christ died on the cross as the payment for our sins. Meaning that he took the punishment upon himself so that we're free. That's how we're forgiven, totally forgiven. And all we have to do is accept God's gift of eternal life by faith today. And so I wanna make this moment for you if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus and have your sins forgiven and to begin a, a brand new life through Jesus Christ. I want to acknowledge your moment. I want you to take a moment and I'm gonna offer you that chance to say yes, I want that. So would you bow your heads for just this second? And if you're here today and you want me to know, Pastor Tim, I wanna be a follower of Jesus today. I wanna to make that decision for the first time. Would you just lift your hand up to me real high? I just wanna see your hand. I just wanna see if there's anybody here. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, I see you. One more time, just lift it up in case I missed you. Awesome, God bless you. Well, let's all say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I've sinned. Will you forgive me today? I turn to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation. I believe in Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give Jesus a clap?